You're listening to Arc Radio Podcast. بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم ریڈیو رمضان 87.7 FM سے پروگرام ریفلیکشن لیے آپ کا ہوسٹ زبیر اکرم وتھ می ایز آلویز الحمدللہ وی ہیو اور گیس شیخ جوان محمد السلام علیکم شیخ وعلیکم السلام ورحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ شیخ وی ور ان افطار ٹوڈے افطار گیدرنگ کمسا اینڈ آئی واز دیر وتھ یو وین وی اسپوک اباؤٹ Uh, rather strange for me uh, the, the connection that you made um, Badr uh-huh. uh, you, you spoke about Badr but uh, I've always covered Badr uh, as a battle but you connected it with love of Prophet the most important thing that came out of that Badr uh, the, the lesson that I uh, I took from you today in, in that talk was uh, the love of the Prophet How is this the most important aspect of, of Badr? Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Uh, First of all, I didn't prepare for that, so... Um, okay. It was just a reflection. When I was driving there, I just kind of had a couple of points that I thought would be um, important. But obviously, they asked me to speak about Badr. It wasn't a long period of time, so we had to come here as well. So I kind yeah. of thought, what's the most important um, aspects of the Battle of Badr that are important? And doing that, I wanted to take it away from the battle itself, which is the actual logistics of yeah. the famous um, you know the kind of decisions about where to alight the Prophet and where would he set up his, his camp where the well the issue of the well and the Prophet is it, was, it, was it inspiration like the hadith of Hatib um, I want to take away from all that which is perfectly clear which is true and every battle has that every single battle as the Prophet said al-harbu khida'ah that war is based upon Um, deception or planning mm-hmm. that's known, even the Tao tradition you know, the art of war, if you read that this hadith of Prophet that, wa- that, um, that warfare is deception is explained by you know, in the, in the art of war very clearly about what that means every battle has that, every battle has discussion where should we set up camp how should the army be arranged but what I was trying to, what I got from the whole pre-battle and battle and after the battle was The, the absolute conviction of the people that were with the Prophet there are 313 companions who were with the Prophet in the Prophet and their love for him and it was for him mm. and, and it was their um, connection to him and their allegiance to him which made them go out mm. and you have you know, before the battle, I didn't talk about it there but before the battle the Prophet went to every single part of the, the Muslim community that was there, all the different kind of almost like sections of it which is the Muhajirun, and amongst them the, the, the well-heeled Muhajirun who were from you know, the high echelons of Quraysh, mm-hmm. but also the, the poor, you know, the people that were ex-slaves. Mm-hmm. He went to all of them and asked, what should they do? And they all, they all, their conviction was, we are with you, Messiah of God. That was the basic thing, we are with you. Okay. In other words, you have the, you're the person that brought us the guidance, you're the person that, if you were to take us to a place to, to fight, uh, we would fight, not like the Bani Israel, Bani Israel said to Musa, you go and fight, we're here, so we're going to sit here. And, they, they, and the companions, all of them said, from the Ansar, Aus and Khazraj, every single group of the companions said, we're with you, we're with you because of who you are. Mm-hmm. And if you were to tell us to go into battle in the farthest fields, we, we will fight for you, for you itself. Mm-hmm. 
and then that manifestation of love of the Prophet and the conviction that they're doing it because of what he has granted them and given them it manifests itself in the actual battle, battle itself in the, in the small instances around the battle where the companions are there because the Prophet is there and if he wasn't there they would not be there that's the kind of basic thing and that is all because of the, the pool of the Prophet which is the basic, the basic idea of love and I mentioned one example which was the example of Usaid ibn Hudayr radiallahu anhu one of the, the companions who, who was well given to joking and, and, je- and jest and so young, man? young man he was given to jest given to you know looking at the, at the, at the lighter things in life this is battle. This is you're uh, you're arraying yourself. You're putting yourself in an array, battle array, in front of horses and and a well well healed army of the Quraysh. Probability is you may not live. The probability is you. It's not even probable. You will not live. You will not live because in the past it wasn't numbers. It was about cavalry. It was about mm-hmm. the weaponry you had, and that was what made you win a battle. Mm-hmm. Numbers. You know, in any, even nowadays, numbers are irrelevant in terms of an army. Think of the Middle East; the most powerful army there is the smallest army, yeah. but it's the most well-equipped and it has the best intelligence. Um, so when they were lining up, they still—I mean, Osaid still had this amazing quality in the the, the 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 mood when the Prophet was straightening the roads. He started to prod all the companions to get straight. Mm. And it was right from the beginning he wanted them to be organized because this battle would not be won except through some sort of planning. So he starts to organize them, get them into rows, and he prodded them with, with, with a twig that he had in his hand. So I said, so get, you get back and you get forward. And he prodded Osaid, apparently just very lightly in the stomach. And Osaid pretended that he was really hurt. Mm. Like he pretended, oh, the Prophet, you've hurt, you really hurt me, and then I'm going to take revenge. How dare you do that? He was mocking. He was, he was jesting more to the point. And the Prophet said, okay, take, 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 um, take your revenge. And Osaid said, well, I, I have I don't have any upper clothing. I've, I've got, I'm poor. I have a loincloth around my 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 waist, and you hit me straight in the right in the, right in the skin. And he said, "Oh, Master God, if I can take revenge, you have to lift your give me the stick, and I'll, you have to lift your your shirt up." And the Prophet said, "Okay, lakadalik." And he lifted it up, and, and it was said went to the Prophet and kissed his belly, and he said, "Oh, Master God, the only thing I wanted in this life was to be that my my skin touches your your skin," and that was it. It was. We are here for you, we are living for you, and we believe in the message that you gave, you gave us, and you brought us guidance, you gave us paradise. The, the thing is, they realized who he was, they realized what he'd given him, and they thought this is not anything but the most amazing gift, and this person is the most blessed person to us. Because the gift he's given, no one can give you that gift, that life, that enrichment, mm-hmm. that that, that, that um, optimism and, and after being in, in, in you know doldrums imagine a person into deep depression all of, all of a sudden everything turns around mm-hmm. the person that turned them around mm-hmm. is going to be the most bl- beloved person to that that individual and for the Prophet said every single person in that row of the Muslim um, companions who were there they had that relationship to him from Abu Bakr mm-hmm. from Ali from Omar all of them Uthman radiallahu was in obviously he was in Madinat mm-hmm. Munawar he had to tend to the, 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 the daughter of the Prophet in Ruqayya. Um, but he was still he, w- he was forced by the Prophet to stay behind mm-hmm. to take care of his, his wife which is the daughter of the Prophet in Ruqayya. and within that every single one of them knew who, who, who the leader was and why he was a leader mm-hmm. it wasn't because he was uh, somebody who was going to lead them in battle it was because he was a prophet of God that brought him the gift which is you know like the Prophet just taught you the hadith mm-hmm. 
you know that the two rak'at before Fajr are, are more, more blessed in the eyes of God than the world and all that it contains. It's just that, that simple teaching. That is a small thing what the Prophet brought. But if you think of just that, two, two rak'at of Fajr before you pray the Fard is more blessed and weighs more in the eyes of God than, than the world and everything it contains, all the wealth, all the riches, then you've become enriched beyond beyond imagining just by this simple, simple, simple hadith. So the Prophet's given you the world, he's given you the keys to the world, but now he's saying there is a world beyond this which is unending and is a place of tranquility. And to do that, you have to وَلِمَنْ خَافَ مَقَامَ رَبِّهِ جَنَّةً Ar-Rahman says whoever has awareness of Allah they'll have two gardens so there is this side of Sira love of the Prophet even from the battle you brought out love of the Prophet you brought out how it is uh, the, the lesson that we derive from actually the, 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 the other point I mentioned I equally stressed on was the, the victory did not come except through God yeah and the Quran specifically underlines that as well. So there's just two ideas. One is the motor for them to be there. Yeah. And the second thing in Badr, this is interesting and important, is how did they gain victory? It wasn't through any of their actions. It wasn't through their planning. It wasn't through the even though they planned the most perfect way. Even but though the, the Prophet said that, that, that's where that's where the question I mean I, I went to Badr mm-hmm. um, uh, in Masjid Arish the, yes. the, you know where the dua took place on mm-hmm. the Prophet. And there was a group of us, and we, we were discussing. And Prophet Sallam, my, my father always emphasizes, it kind of um, drummed into me. And he always gives me example of Badr. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he, he said, the Prophet Sallam did everything that he had to do, and then did du'a. Mm-hmm. So all the planning had happened, all all the kind of um, uh, alignment had happened, mm-hmm. and after there was du'a. Mm-hmm. So the planning was important, exertion mm-hmm. was important, um, exerting in the entire being of yours was important, mm-hmm. then dua. But yet we're, we're told nothing is because what you planned, what you mm-hmm. did, is because mm-hmm. of the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and mm-hmm. you know, the, the angels were sent and, uh, and, and people were blinded mm-hmm. uh, because some, something uh, fell in their eyes. And mm-hmm. So there was godly intervention there was the intervention took place in from the other realm. Is this a lesson for me in my life mm-hmm. that this always happens? It can always it should this is what I should expect. So plan, exert, dua mm. and then wait for uh, intervention. Or, or beseech yeah, listen, God for I mean your father picked on the most important point which is that that's that that trend in a number of numerous hadiths that you plan and then you rely on God mm. and that's not the other way around you don't rely on God uh, without having put in some effort yeah. so tie your camel and then rely on God if you don't tie your camel you can, you can rely on God but nothing's going to happen the camel will still disappear so in Badr what happens is you have played your part which is to arrive at the battlefield yeah. which is to survey the, 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 the region and the, the <coughs> land and what it is and the well and the Prophet himself taking mashwara, taking guidance from the companions, when they asked, Oh Master God, is this a place where you've where you've set down your camp? Is it a place that is inspired by God or is it something that you have thought from your own um, decision to be the best place? And the Prophet said, I've decided for myself. And he said and they said, Well this place is better. So they took all these and the Prophet was enticing them to get them ready to do that for themselves. He was training them to be able to think 
um, critically and not to rely on just one person. But once they'd done that, it's true, the, the Masjid of Arish, the Prophet sat there, he prayed, he, he gave supplication, and he, and he basically told Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we've done what we've needed to do. Mm. But if this group of people are destroyed from the face of this earth, there'll be nobody on the face of the earth that worships you. In other words, the person had, it takes a lot of him, that, that dua has always, not troubled me, but has always caught my, caught me every time I, yeah. I hear it, because, it, it what is it? A very stark kind of... Um, it's not stark, it's a type of audacity. Yeah, yeah. The Prophet it, 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 is telling Allah you know, that... Urdu says, Dawa, Allah pe Dawa itna strong hai, hama Dawa. Yes. Ke, agar nahi kiya, to khatam ho jayega sab. And it, 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 there's so much surety in the Prophet yeah. I'm saying that. Udassi. He's saying if this this band of people are killed today and, and lose today, there will be nobody in the face of this earth that worships you. Mm-hmm. It's not saying maybe, it's saying this is the situation. And he is telling God, you need to intervene. Mm-hmm. That for me could have been one of, if anybody else it would be one of two things. One of, one, one of the two things would be for somebody other than the Prophet it would be the person has too much hope or um, is putting too much on God to do is it not putting too much as well saying that because God can fulfill his plan through anybody else mm-hmm. so you're saying if we don't live your plan won't happen mm-hmm. yes and that that is understood to be from Prophet knowing that he's the final prophet. Okay. This is the final message, it's the Quran. And he has been sent at the end of a long line of prophets. And if he as a prophet is smitten and, and is killed, then that line of prophecy and the message of it, for all we see is 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 doomed. And and maybe I mean it's just it's just such a confident dua mm-hmm. as well. Uh, very that's humble a, that's a sunnah of the prophet as well so when we do the only du'a, of the prophet this is what I'm trying that's why it's always held it's caught my attention is that only the prophet could have done that du'a okay. I can't imagine anybody in any situation on the face of this earth that has such strong faith in God and surety of what God wants that they can make the same type of du'a like say in Halab for example you know Bashar al-Assad's forces are besieging numerous places in, 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 in Sham I can think of, I can think of people actually that I know had such a strong connection with God, but it requires you to be almost at first, you know, very close, almost like um, you know, like somebody's got the number personal, yeah, you got personal, you've got the the na- the number direct line to. It's that kind of thing. I, you have to have such s- strong awareness of God to be able to do that kind of conversation. This is why we stick to du'as in the Qur'an Because we just stick to Well God said to say this, we'll say it You know when we start to say du'as ourselves Sometimes we get them wrong Like we, get, we, we lack etiquette yeah. And that's why you should be very safe In using du'as that You can't take the du'a from Battle of Badr And yeah. you know and, and, um, in, 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 You're in Blackburn somewhere And there's kind of Islamophobic attacks Or something happened And you start you making this du'a in, in Taraweeh You can't do that Because mm-hmm. it's a lack of respect Lack of um, decorum with God audacity in front of God you have no right to make that dua mm-hmm. but the Prophet had the right to make it because he'd done everything he could he had trained his companions he had taught them he had given tarbiyah he had made them sincere in what they wanted 
they didn't do it for the world. They didn't do it for the you know the the kind of spoils of war. They did it for the sake of God. And because Prophet knew that, then he said, "Look, God, this is the situation. These people, if they're destroyed, there'll be nobody worship to worship you on the face of this earth. So help them." And he knew that there was an instant response. And Allah is the one that the, the second thing I was saying, the love of Prophet is one of these aspects, which is the motor that got them there. The companions, mm-hmm. they were scared. Remember. They didn't want to go to to fight the Quraysh. Mm. They ran from the Quraysh. Yeah. And now they're 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 being in a battle situation. They don't want to be in a battle situation. So they would not have left Medina until they unless they had conviction the Prophet. And this is before the, the, the hypocrites were involved in the Battle of Uhud mm-hmm. and Khandaq. These were the core people. These are the people that really believed. These are the people that swore allegiance and were sure that this was a prophet. So there was no kind of ulterior motive, there's no you know, Bani Quraidha, Bani Qaynuqa, all these kind of tribal mm-hmm. issues going on. This was the tr- the cream of the cream, to the point that we mention them, you know, in these days. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, لَقَدْ نَصَرَكُمُ اللَّهُ بِبَدْرٍ وَأَنْتُمْ أَذِلَّهِ That God has given you victory or gave you victory mm-hmm. on the day of Badr while you were in a state of complete um, humiliation. Adilla, basically you were nothing, you were abased, you were downtrodden. So don't think you're planning, what you're saying is a planning, don't think your planning made you victorious. It was Laqad Nasarakumullah, it was God that gave you victory. And it was the thing that then gave you the victory and gave you permission was this idea of you prepare and God will execute. You prepare, God will execute. You prepare, God will execute. But the motor to that was in the companions' hearts was this pulsating love of the Prophet that made them sacrifice and look after him and to really look at his, his comfort to be their comfort and his his happiness to be their happiness, his sadness to be their sadness. And the reality is Allah says God gave you victory in the Badr when you were humiliated. Fattaqullah. Therefore be aware of Allah because God, not yourself that gave you victory tashkurun so that you give thanks as well. And that for me, this idea of, of everything coming, even the victories coming, you know the Prophet when he Returned to Medinat Munawwara, he came to a household having just buried uh, his daughter Ruqiyah. So the, the issue is you prepare and you have victory and you have happiness, but then you know these things of the world come and go. That amazing victory, which is historic, was tinged by the Prophet with him going back and, and burying his daughter, um, you know, preparing her and consoling his son-in-law Uthman radiAllahu anhu. So. The Battle of Badr has so many amazing things that at such a high point you have such a low point, point, point of the Prophet such reliance on God from the Prophet's part and then God despite that not taking something else away which was even more personal than a victory mm. like if you ask the Prophet a military victory or your daughter like think of yourself yeah. a child or you know a promotion or you know there is it was that thing that God said okay you'll ha- I'll give you this but I'm going to take this away so the problem is not attached to the world in the way that we are attached and a lot of times we should think in that way that we in all, all difficulties we have we are in, in, in this way of God's decree and the decree continues till the day of judgment and into the hereafter and the good that is written is also good that is written in the hereafter not just here so our, our patience in times of tribulation and difficulty our patience in, in, in times of hardship is in the knowledge that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will alleviate inshallah you see that of Prophet Sallallahu Prophet um, growing up again is through the battles, through um, 
fights, through confrontation, um, and then th- that becomes. I'm I'm wondering. Is this how historically it's been taught, and hence we see a lot of violence picked up by people in the wrong context, and then they mani- that manifests into situations like seven seven, and we we have London, we had Manchester. That's a very good question because um, Sira and Sira, you know what the meaning of the word Sira is it's, it's the, the path a person takes or the, the conduct of a person um, from Sayr which is to, in fact in Urdu you have Sayr in Persian, you have yeah, in Turkish thing, yeah. basically to travel. to travel so what's the path a person takes in life basically, mm-hmm. decisions um, difficulties. So the seal of the Prophet is the life story of the Prophet. Um, what happened is early in Islamic history, this is probably roughly around the year 50, um, the oral tradition of transmitting the, the, the teachings of the Prophet went through different phases. So people obviously had the Quran written down, they'd memorized it. So there was the Quranic text was preserved in a very specific way. Hufal, in fact, Ramadan. You see the you see the the proof of that in Ramadan. You have people who are young, memorize the Quran from beginning to end. Every single city in in in, in UK, in the Muslim world, um, that can do it. And in fact, one of the things I say to my non-Muslim friends is, if they if they think about the difference between the Quran and other religious texts or any book, it's the fact that you can take every copy of the Quran off the face of this earth and you can reconstitute the Quran from memory in every single city on the face of this earth as well. Like in Glasgow, I guarantee if you took all the Quran copies off the the mosque shelves at the houses and you got five hafal to come together, mm. within a week you'd have a written copy mm. from memory. You could set up an editorial board and you would have a written copy. If you had ten people doing it, you would have a written copy with actually no mistakes in it at all, sort of cross-referencing. Mm. So the Quran was preserved. But the, the teachings of the Prophet and his, and his character and his behavior was collected in different ways okay. like what did the Prophet say about fiqh, how to pray that was collected and the books of hadith started to do that but there's also another aspect which was the seerah and the seerah was actually focused not on the prayer and not how the Prophet dealt with things how, how generous he was that was in the books of hadith mm. seerah ended up looking at um, something called al-ghazawat mm. which are battles in other words this was such a big topic and because Arab society was based on chivalry and also on, on honor and, and, and um, you know, kind of courage, there was this desire amongst the Arabs to preserve this, which in the past was in poetry. You know, in the pre-Islamic situation, if there was a battle between two tribes or two you know, groups, they would put it into long, long poetries and preserve it and recite it around, around the campfire and, and honor them and take pride in it. So when the Muslims they they had a similar situation, they wanted to recollect the victories and the difficulties and the violence and all these kind of things, but in in the path of the truth. So what happened is you had um, books which were Kitab al-Maghazi, so books on Ghazawat. Mm-hmm. So therefore that became a genre in itself, a type of writing in itself, and that then became something that was taught almost as Sirah. Whereas it's a small, small section of Sirah. If you think of Sirah, yeah. Sirah is all the events that the Prophet went through in his life, from Mecca, Medina, 
all the, the, the in- interesting issues that happened in Rossum's life. And battles were a small part of that. But what happened is those battles were well recorded and sometimes within the battles and, and the discussion and the records of the battles, sometimes there was kind of window dressing or flaring up of the discussion. Yeah. So they added, added up. And this is why Sira is, in terms of, Imam Ahmed said something interesting, he said there's three types of hadith that are that have noticed that. He was exaggerating, but basically he's saying, look, these types of topics, you need to be more careful. One is al-maghazi, which is the battles. Mm-hmm. The other is um, the malahim, which is the issues of the end of time. And the third one I've forgotten, actually. But the important thing is, al-maghazi was one of the, 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 the three. And that meant that maghazi was not critically analyzed in the way that other things were, like hadith of how to pray, analyzed in detail. But uh, maghazi were not. And then what happened is, because Islam was an expanding empire and, and battles were part and parcel of that it was the the said thing to use heroic episodes in islamic history to for your khutbah for example so when you're growing up you go to the mosque and the battle of badr they tell you swipe by swipe sword um, hit by sword hit hmm. you know arrow by arrow they'll give you this happened and that happened yeah. and then this happened like the battle of Mu'ta, for example, when Zayd bin Thabit and um, Zayd bin Hayat radiallahu and um, Abdul Narawaha and, and Ja'far were martyred. Rasul was narrating this on the member. Mm. And now we mention this happened and he took the, the, the banner and then this, he took the banner yeah, and then yeah. Khalid bin Walid took the banner and Rasul said, The banner was taken by one the, the this the banner, the swords of the swords of God. The mm-hmm. sword of God took it. So we've always had this idea of heroic warriors, Salahuddin Ayyubi, mm-hmm. Khalid bin Walid, and the battles of Umar with the Byzantines and the Umayyads, and the Mughal Empire, all the battles they had as well, yeah. Timur. And so we've always had uh, this. I mean, this image of either they were defending themselves or they were they were fighting mm-hmm. to, to gain more control. Mm-hmm. So no, but the thing is, I'll mention. Yeah, so what I'll mention is. That is normal for any society at the time. Okay. Like, um, if you look at um, the history of the, of, of the Tudors in English history, for example, the majority was about battles. If you look at um, any great, great king, the majority of what they're talking about is, is skirmishes and battles and alliances, mm-hmm. because that's how stability was 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 at the time, and that was a major part of how they lived. Because at that time, before you know, 19, the nineteen twenties. Every nation was possibly at, nation, at war with the nation next to it. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like we think now there's a border and there's peace and there's treaties. There wasn't any treaties. Mm-hmm. This is well known. Look, look at Italy in, in the 19th, 20th century. It was this made up of, of prince, this, this princely states. This is a desired state, though. Uh-huh. I mean, Amana Khawf. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the, the ultimate achievement is um, prosperity. And, um, uh, and and security, security and safety, yes. But that was something that never actually happened. If you think about it, safety never happened because it was so up in the air. And this is why in, Ara- in, in, in the Arabs they say, if you don't fight the Byzantines, Byzantines, they will fight you. And it was this thing of either you put up a fight or the other side will put a fight, fight against you. So it was natural mm. that that happened. The problem that's happened, and this is from the 1920s, mm-hmm. it wasn't as much a problem in the 1920s because 
the Muslim countries were going through a very secular process. You'll know the history of the Muslim world. Yeah. The Arab countries, even the pa- India, Pakistan, and these Turkey specifically. Yeah. It wasn't Islam wasn't a big pulling thing. You know, it wasn't important because they considered, especially Turks, considered Islam to be one of the reasons why they'd gone to defeat. Mm, yeah. Do you understand? Yeah. So they weren't looking back to the great heroes like Salahuddin Ayyubi. They were looking to the future. They were looking to the West, looking to Napoleon Bonaparte and all these people. And therefore, it wasn't important until you get to like the 50s and 60s. The 40s is when the Second World War is happening and you're basically you're, you're tied up with this kind of imperial project. Once you get independence, then people say, okay, what are we? Are we going back mm. to the 1920s, secularism, or are we going to rediscover what made us great? Mm-hmm. And Sayyidina Umar said that the only thing that made Islam great was what made it great in the, in the, in the past. Mm-hmm. And Islam itself made it great. Yeah. So a lot of people lots of movements in the Muslim world said that and therefore what's the examples they had Salahuddin Ayyubi Khalid bin Walid you know the great battles Ain Jalut all these historical episodes and then they were the things that were talked about in cassettes and records and now on internet or in your khutbas it was a thing to get people emotional it was a thing to get people you know involved you understand the easiest thing for a khatib to do is to use heroic episodes but what I always think when I give when I used to give khutbahs, I used to always use a story like that, but always put it in its context to say, look, that story exists, and I would get the the, the people to say, mashallah, and we need to do something. But then say, but look what happened and why he did it, and and look at the the teachings that he brought with it, like Khalid bin Walid, for mm-hmm. example. So you always, ha- I think, what's missing now is that scholars use it, and they talk about like Abdullah Zawair, you know, the story of Abdullah bin Zawair, mm-hmm. the, the son of. Um, uh, Asma bin Abi Bakr who, who revolted against Hajjaj bin Yusuf and the Umayyads that story is told and I was thinking I was listening to somebody speak about it and I was thinking you're telling it so well but the people that are listening to it are not going to understand are going to get the complete wrong message from mm-hmm, this mm-hmm. because what's the point of saying this thing now you always say it's something for a reason yes and, and the end result of Abdullah Zabair's battle was the Kaaba was on the ground like there was no cube it was catapulted to dem- demolition and people were slaughtered he was killed and it's, it's the most heroic story in our history but it's also the most tragic mm. you have the story of Asma giving a khutbah to her son about why he should fight to the death etc etc but the point is the context our context is different and the reason why it's different is something very boring but you have to say it which is you have international treaties and you have rules of war and you have uh, understandings of how states interact but with each how, other how important it is to still keep that tradition for, for generations to know this happened mm-hmm. but then I think what, what I'm getting from you is the context is missing scholars have actually not bothered to l- articulate the context the, the stories are the most important stories Yeah. because um this is why you live and why you die, for convictions. Yes. Like why 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 did the British fight the Nazis? It's for conviction. It was for values. Yeah. At a time when they had values, you believe in something and you would die for it. And the and the the rulers and, and the army and the, and the soldiers, regardless of whether British or not, a lot of Muslims passed away in that battle as well. It's for basic. Even if it wasn't for their own values, you can at least say it was against the values of the other side. Yeah. Do you understand? So. That means you always have to put down what are the values for which you fight, live and die. Mm. Every society has that. If you have a standing army, 
you have that. It's just, it's just, it's just, you cannot entice people to fight based upon the fact they'll get a pension. You know, imagine joining an army and, and they say, well, the main reason you should join is because you've got a fantastic pension at the end of this. You're in an army, you're going to die. You understand? You're in harm's way, you're going to be put in front of the enemy. It's for values, it's for your family, it's for your, your children, it's for higher aims. And we, as an ummah, we, ha we know what those higher aims are, which is, to which is not this idea of applying Sharia law. It's about what you mentioned in Surah Tafil, which is providing you know, prosperity and safety. Hmm. That is a basic reason that, why end we... Goal. The end goal is to allow people لَكُمْ دِينُكُمْ to you, you have your faith tradition and your 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 values. We have our values. Yeah, and we let us live in peace. Exactly. We, we want to. And therefore, that is, if and, and that is something I've looked at in detail. Every single tenth Prophet went on a battle. It was this thing that he wanted, not to engage in battle, but to ensure that they could do what they wanted in Medina al-Munawwara, to call people and to practice their faith in the way they wanted, and whenever. They had a situation where others were about to encroach upon them. Hmm. The Prophet preempted that, and this is what Muslims always misunderstand: is the preempting was, it was because if they didn't do it, the other side would attack. Like Badr, why did the Prophet go out to Badr? Because they were outside. They came to Badr. They came to. They were marching to. If the people didn't come to Badr, they would have come to Madinat Nawara. Unfortunately, we're coming to the end of the segment. Uh, inshallah, we'll continue with this one, this discussion tomorrow. For more information and to listen to more podcasts, visit us at arc.score or check out the Arc Media app.